rap music has not been a genre of music that I would say I would purposefully choose to listen to. But that recently changed, or at least for a single song and a particular rapper. This style of music has roots that go back thousands of years in Africa, where village storytellers would play handmade instruments while they told stories of their family and local current events. On August 11, 1973, DJ Cool Herc, now known as the first DJ and founding father of hip-hop, and his sister, Cindy, began hosting back-to-school parties in the recreation room of their building. And it was these gatherings that would spark the beginning of a new culture that we now know today as hip-hop. Now, one night during DJ Cool Herc's set, he tried something new that he called merry-go-round. And he used two turntables playing the same break beat section of the James Brown record, Clap Your Hands. And when one turntable would finish playing the section, he would switch to the other turntable and play the same section. This allowed him to extend that section of the song as long as he wanted to. And this technique is now referenced to as looping and is used by record producers in almost every beat. Now, as DJ Cool Herc continued to do more parties, he realized that speaking on the mic was just as important to keeping the party going. So he reached out to his good friend, Coke Rock to be the first dedicated MC of these parties. And during one of these parties, he said, there's not a man that can't be thrown, not a horse that can't be rode, a bull that can't be stopped. There's not a disco that I Coke Rock can't rock. Now, this one bar made Coke LaRock the very first rapper in hip-hop, and it birthed a new genre of music that we now know today as rap music. So stay tuned so you can hear how an amazing rap song came into my life called Drug Addiction, and we're also going to meet the rapper who performed the song. Stay tuned. Hey, this is Eric McCoy, and we are High Wall Clean. And music has played a huge role in my life in a lot of ways. And the greatest songs, as far as I'm concerned, tell stories. Everybody knows my favorite band, and they played a huge part in my life, was the Grateful Dead. Uh, Robert Hunter, the lyricist for Jerry Garcia, was a master storyteller. And this is what my guest today is going to bring as far as what he does in his art form. And before I introduce our guest, so I want to explain how this came about. Um, periodically, I will have clients that I work with uh, pick a song 
that means something to them, something inspirational, powerful, and touches their heart in some way. And I work with a lot of adults today that are in their 20s and 30s, and rap songs are chosen regularly. (laughs) I do inform them not to choose a song about drugs, ironically, sex or violence. Um, I prefer that they choose a song that kind of lifts them. And it was a few weeks ago that a client chose a song named Drug Addiction by someone named Kalichi. And it's probably understandable that I had never heard of Kalichi since I don't really listen to rap. But he looked at me and this client said, it it is a good song and it's about recovery. And I was thinking, okay, damn, a song that's over seven minutes long about drug addiction. (laughs) But I want to say real quick, it was not what I thought. And it is a story of drug addiction, but has that message of hope. We're dealing with a topic we're so careless to neglect. We're dealing with a dilemma leaving every parent stressed. I'm so sick and tired though of being sick and tired. But then it finally happened, motivated by desire. I hit this point, I wanted to change. Enough is enough. My efforts been exhausted and I'm tired of being stuck. My faith is never blind and my future I barely see. But overnight was open-minded. I had this moment of clarity. So it begins and it's essential, I believe. Cause if it worked for you, then it just has to work for me. Through all this pain, there's gotta be a positive message. I talked about the past now let's talk about the present it was really following the line i talked about the past now let's talk about the present that i was really drawn into the song and the lyrics to the song from that point that say so many things that i'm fighting for personally i'm tired of everybody having to be right it's time to do what's right i'm tired of politicians making choices on whether people live or die You know, we need to stop and do whatever it takes, as far as I'm concerned, to help people. I'm tired of people dying. And the lyrics. We got to do this together. We must trust. There's no you. There's no me. There's just us. I'm doing this with courage. I'm doing this with pride. I'm doing this for every single friend that's ever died. And the stigma of substance abuse, as far as I can say, is what's killing people. Now, I'm honored to have. Chaz Smith, or also known as Kalichi, on our show today. And he fits perfectly with what we are about, with us being on, I believe, our 98th episode. We've had many guests from all walks of life and different professions, musicians, actors, doctors, judges, even. And some of my favorite are the stories of people who struggled and survived to tell their story. And people who have been dragged through the depths of hell and are clean and sober today. Good people who are doing great things. Chas, I want to thank you for uh, joining me today and coming on our show. You're very welcome. Now, I got to say that having you on here um, is great because, you know, every time I have a guest, I do some research as much as I can, and it's not as much about the person because um, I want to hear the story out, your, your story from you, but a lot of times something that brings uniqueness to each of the people that come on to be their art form. And you are the first person with the art form of rap (laughs) that I've had on here. And one thing I realized just recently is that Pittsburgh rappers life expectancy isn't that great. And as far as what I'm looking at, apparently there have been, I think overall, and not just Pittsburgh, but 60 rappers who've been murdered since Scott LaRock 
with uh, the most recent from your hometown just two days ago, TNB Rock. Um, it was news here because he was killed not too far from where I am in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And of course, I've known of the name Mac Miller, who obviously died of an overdose. And I lived many years, and you had kind of brought up before we kind of started Huntington Beach, but I lived a lot of years in Orange County, which is seeing an average of about 700 overdoses a year, which according to statistics is almost the same as your county in Pennsylvania. But the major difference is your population is less than half of what Orange County is. Yeah. Now, of course, that doesn't mean the same amount of families aren't suffering. But I want to tell you really quick before we get started that your lyrics are brilliant. You know, the passion, the energy, the heartache, the truth, I think I see in your lyrics are perfect. How long, how long have you been clean? Uh, so this time I've been clean since, uh, since June 7th of, uh, 2015. So about seven and a half years, roughly, or a little over seven years. Okay. Now you said, uh, so how many times have you, uh, attempted? <laughs> um, I just always say that because I, you know, I'm, uh, I am just, I'm really big and, you know, uh, cause you know, although we don't have to relapse, it's a part of a lot of, it's a lot of you know, part of people's stories. And, um, you know, just to let them know that um, even if you fall short, you know, and you have to start from scratch and you lose everything and you burn every bridge and you tarnish relationships that, you know, that you can get your life back. And um, I mean, I started to attempt to get clean at the age of 23. I'm 39 now. So, you know, um, you know, I had a year clean and then three and a half years clean then two and a half years clean. Then I got a year clean again. And now I have seven years clean. Okay. And it I got a question that I had. One of my, one of my clients wanted me to ask you this question. So I don't, so I don't forget. Yeah. Did you rap before you got clean? No. So I was, like I said, I was like 22, 23. I wrote, uh, I might've wrote poetry in high school and stuff, but it was like really just off the wall, dumb stuff. Um, but it wasn't until the first time I attempted to get clean and like was in this outpatient and, uh, it's very bizarre. It's very strange. I don't know. This was really before like the internet and, you know, I mean, not before the internet, but before smartphones and everything. And I, I remember I would just sit on my mother's couch and I would watch something on, it was on demand. It was called music choice. And, um, and like, I don't know. I mean, I was a fan of rap. I mean, like uh, I've listened to every single genre closing, uh, growing up, but I don't know. One day I, I, it's very bizarre, but one day I just picked up a notebook and, uh, and I started writing and, um, I started, you know, writing poetry and then started formulating songs and then um then I picked this nearby studio out of the white pages and uh and called them and, and then went there and then I mean that was it and then I just stuck with it and uh consistency has always been key for me yeah now I think uh in your story heroin was your drug of choice yeah different runs different drugs but yes mainly heroin the entire life entire part of my life in that song that you sang and i it really kind of i think lays out your story in a lot of ways um the suffering the misery the and, and really the only difference between what i see in your story and my story is the substance meth was my mm -hmm. uh drug of choice but sticking a needle in my arm and and uh and hating the lifestyle and wanting it out not knowing how to do it um and that to me was powerful because that's, I mean, that's telling a lot of people's stories of people that are really struggling. 
I was, uh, I was broken. At, I mean, even at such a young age of like 19 and, uh, I mean, I was so tired already by that time. And, uh, but I just could not stay stopped. And I, I would make all these endeavors, all these attempts to, to quit. And, um, I talk about this often because it's true, but, you know, it was easy for me to, you know, stop, but I just, I could not stay stopped, you know, really until I learned, well, not even that I learned until I started to utilize the tools that were taught to me from all these different places that I was going, you know, and then once I did that, I was able to apply unconditional surrender in my life to all areas of my life. And then things just started to work out, you know, it's just, this is just me and my story. It's not like I just put the drugs down and then my life was amazing. You know, it's been continent. It's been constant maintenance, you know, even with, even with seven years clean, there's still things that I have to revert back to, you know, um, and, and do um, the things that I learned in the beginning are still remain applicable today. You know, I was taught that when I first went into the rooms and um, I don't know, it just, I finally got to a point where I was just, I was willing to give myself a chance and I was, Every day that I woke up, I loved myself just a little bit more than I hated myself. And that was just enough to give me the strength and the courage to just go one more step. Hey, what is um, what is a caliche? <laughs> uh, so caliche is um, so right, right when I first started writing, I didn't have, you know, a rap name or whatever. And I remember I was actually in on vacation with uh, my ex and my sister and everything. And I looked over at my sister and I said, I think I'm going to go with the rap name Caliche. And she looked over and she said, I love it. And um, so Caliche was my grandmother's maiden name. Really? OK. Yeah. What's a, is, do you know any kind of meaning behind the word? Is there a. I don't. So I know that it's also used in Texas as like a white rock, like as a noun. But um, I, but no, just fast forward. I have an album called 19 Days Apart, and it's called that because my grandparents died 19 days you know, apart. Obviously, they were married for 65 years. And uh, today the name has a lot more significance because my grandmother really was the most like selfless person to ever walk this earth. And um, so today, I, I don't know, I try to view my music is like that, like she would help anyone and anybody. So, I mean, I kind of look at it um, as having the importance of that is helping people through my music. And um, I don't know, it just means a lot to my five-year-old daughter just started. I mean, she's always said Kalichi, but she just has recently started to call me Kalichi. I mean, she calls me dad, but I mean, she calls me <laughs> Kalichi too. <laughs> yeah, I love the end of the song. My life changed once I was willing to try I've been given many chances, now it's truly do or die I'm doing what it takes so my daughter will never see me high I'm doing what it takes so my daughter will never see me high I'm doing what it takes so my daughter will never see me high I'm doing what it takes so my daughter will never see me high I'm doing what it takes so my daughter would never see me high. That's what really got me, you know, mm -hmm. really was that 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 very end of it, you know, about your daughter. So, you know, so we're in, um, I had sent, sent this to you in your text that, you know, we're in Suicide Awareness Month. And, uh, and I also noticed that you had done a song on Suicide Awareness song. Yeah, um, I, you know, I talk about suicide um, a lot in some of my songs. And it's, uh, 
you know, it's when I when I write a song, I don't really I don't exactly it's not exactly from this exact moment right now. A lot of times, you know, because my life is boring today. So it's like a lot of times I will put myself in a particular part of my life, you know, a detailed part of my life. And I can like just remember exactly how I felt, whether it was euphoria, you know, whether it was embarrassment, you know, whether it was, uh, you know, self-loathing. And um, I don't know, there was just so many parts, there were so many, you know, moments and intervals of, of my journey where I just, uh, you know, I truly wanted to die, you know, and um, there was only like one time in my life where I, I came very close to, you know, actually going through with it or probably a couple, but, um, you know, it's just, it's just very important. You know, it's very important to stress that, you know, I just wrote a post the other day, but it's very true and it's very cliche, but this two shall pass, you know, and, and I really do believe in that, you know, whether I'm feeling down or whether I'm feeling joy, elation, or whether I'm feeling depressed, I really don't put a lot of emphasis on the exact emotion that I'm feeling because I have my own personal experience with that everything passes and it really does. I mean, I one day my world could feel like it is crashing around me. And then the next day something could happen, a small minuscule miracle of some sort. And my life is completely different. So it's like, I try really not to worry on the past or on the present. And I try not to worry about the future. And I really just take it, you know, sometimes I just take it moment by moment, but even in knowing this, it's still hard. It's still hard. Sometimes it's still difficult to have my faith not waver. And it's still difficult to, you know, stay grounded in hope. But um, for the most part, um, it is just, you know, self-care and just, you know, taking care of my mental health and, you know, and um, not having my life too uh, out of balance and, um, you know, really just taking everything one breath at a time is something that I really try to do on a daily basis. Tell my clients this that I mean, honestly, and I, and I think this way, I believe this way that we're all the luckiest people in the world mm -hmm. because you know, everybody out there's got problems, you know, mm -hmm. everybody on the face of this planet has problems, but we had an opportunity to get slapped so hard in the face, you know, get punched in the face so hard that we're forced to take a look at things and we get to work on things that other people don't. I always kind of joke about it, but it's like, who the fuck sits down and says, you know, I'm going to work on my self-esteem today, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> People don't do that. <laughs> and I think in that context, I think we actually have an opportunity to become better than most people, a lot of people out there. Absolutely. You know, um, your average quote unquote normal person might, you know, be struggling with a situation and, and but not know where to turn, you know, but, you know, people like us, you know, pain forced me to change um and you know and as it's forcing me to change i am taught how to change you know by just the people that i surround myself with and, and the predecessors that came before me and everything that comes along with it i basically have a blueprint to how to get better whether i do it you know is truly up to me whether i want to put into work for my recovery is on me you know i've hit bottoms i've hit many spiritual bottoms clean you know whether two three four five years clean it could be just, it could be whether it's a defect or, or a certain behavior or whatever, you know, there's always going to be that, that spiritual bottom that I have the potential to hit if I am not constantly working on myself. Yeah. Yeah. I had 11 years in 2013 and then I relapsed, um, went out on a six month run and, um, first time in my life that I ever got clean without having to get arrested. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
And I think, and I honestly think that, you know, that my years of being clean and the 11 years that I had, mm-hmm. I think helped me because at least I had a little glimpse of, I know I can do this because I did this before. Absolutely. Um, I, I always had to go to treatment, you know, and uh, all my jail times were like before I was ready to get clean. But, uh, you know, this last time I only used for four days and, um, and it was just, it was after that where I was just like, I cannot go down this road again. I just can't. And I mean, I was so, always, I was already so caught up after four days with the obsession and the getting sick. And I mean, I was just, I was physically sick just even after four days. And, um, but I just, I knew like, I just, I knew like with every, you know, part of my body that I did not want to go down that road again. And as difficult as it was, you know, um, you know, I managed to, you know, stay clean since that day. And, um, it went, but if I wasn't like grounded, you know, you know, in recovery before that, and if I didn't have like an understanding of what I was supposed to do, I don't think I would have stayed around. Your music's touched a lot of people. And I, and I say that because again, like, you know, like I, I don't really listen to music, but, um, but I brought your name up, you know, just to mm-hmm. people and they're like, oh yeah, no, they know who you are. <laughs> and I'm like, fuck man. <laughs> and, uh, but that's cool, man. And, and like I said, I, you know, so I kind of say in the beginning of this, that I love the stories, you know, of the people that went through the depths of hell, they were able to stand up tall and they're doing great things today. And I think you're doing great things. Thank you. You know, um, how many, now you have albums that have recorded. I do. So I, um, I don't make physical copies anymore, but, uh, I've mainly have just put out single songs like the last five or six years. But before that I put out like five albums. Hey, I got a question. Do you, do you mind if I play that song on here? Uh, no, not at all. Cause, uh, I think it's such a, an amazing song, you know? Thank you. Yeah. And, um, a lot of people like part two and, um, I'm about to start a part three. I don't know what direction I'm going to actually go. Cause I don't want, I don't want to, I don't want it to really be like the same as the first two, but, um, I don't know. I've just been so busy with other songs that I just haven't really got a chance to start it. And you've kind of, I mean, you've obviously made a name for yourself. Yeah. I mean, just by, uh, like I said, just by being consistent and, um, you know, I think that uh, I did music for for 10 years before anyone really ever paid attention. And I mean, I had fans or whatever you want to say, you know, here and there. Um, but, you know, it wasn't until really until I dropped drug addiction in 2017 that I started to get a little bit more of a following, you know, and I only got to that point by just truly being consistent. And uh, there were so many you know, it's just, it's just always been a passion of mine. It really has been. And, and that's what kept me going for so long. Like I never in a million years ever thought that I would be where I am today with my music, even as far as the couple people that know me. Like I just, I always thought I was just going to do it just as, you know, a hobby and just, um, you know, a stress reliever or whatever you want to say. Um, but, you know, with a little bit of luck and hard work and a lot of self-discipline, like um, I did, I got to where I am. How many friends uh, would you say you that have died? I mean, that I pers- that I personally know. I mean, just between when I wrote that song, I had I had five friends in, in mind that um, they're friends that you know that have lived with me, and you know, and friends that I worked with, and friends that uh, 
I went to meetings with and all that. And they were just ones that were really close. But I mean, even as far as associates and people that I maybe have met a handful of times, shook hands with, maybe hugged at a meeting or, you know, as Facebook friends with, I mean, it's in the hundreds. Yeah. When you were really kind of touching on that, those lines of, you know, if you know nothing about it, shut, shut your mouth, that kind of stuff. What were you, what were you specifically referring to? I'm sick of these remarks and opinions from all these critics. Cause if you've never lived it, then trust me, you'll never get it. Be quiet. You're not allowed to speak about it. If you've never lived it, then you're not allowed to speak about it. I was just specifically, you know, um, referring to, you know, whether it's social media or whatever, and you go on there and, um, you know, just people to say, all oh, drug addicts should be dead. They should die. They should be shot. They should be dragged in a back alley and put out of their misery. Um, you know, and it's not like a cop out because I understand. I understand how many people I hurt and I understand. And there's just, there's some people that are just so fed up with it. You know, maybe they have a husband that has been to rehab 30 times and they see no hope. They don't see the recovering side. All they see is the chaos and the destruction and, and you know, and the damage that that he has not only caused her, but has caused their two daughters, you know, or whatever. So, like, I understand when it when it comes to someone that is so deeply and severely hurt for them to be, you know, so um, ignorant towards uh, a topic, because although that I deal with, you know, uh, a lifelong illness like addiction, there really is not exactly a cure, but there is a way that I can arrest it. And there is a way that I can put it on hold and completely build my life up. And a lot of people don't see that side. A lot of people really just see the, you know, addicts running out of Rite Aid with, you know, razors or, or whatever they don't see. And behind, you know, the, the, they might see an addict like nodding off like on a park bench or something, but they don't see like the, you know, the 18 hours of pain and misery that came before that and the feelings that are equipped with it, you know, the feelings of, you know, uh, dereliction and desolation and, you know, and, uh, and how worthless they feel, um, you know, and I just, I try, you know, because I know exactly how I felt then. And then like, I see my life now. So like, you know, you can't tell me that the change is impossible. You know, and um, I'm constantly changing. My transformation, you know, is is infinite. But uh, I was just basically referring to the ones that have absolutely no experience with the, the true addiction and how it actually feels. Because there's so many things in this life where they say, oh, well, you don't know how it feels until you experience, you know, and uh, which is true to an extent, you know, like I would always I would always hear people say like, oh, um, the love I have for my child is like no other. And, you know, and I would always hear that, but like, I could never really experience it until I had a child. And then when I had my daughter, I was like, okay, this is what they were talking about. This is a new level of falling in love that I've never experienced before. So it's not really until like you're put in somebody's shoes where you're able to fully comprehend and understand what they're going through. Yeah. I do a radio show um, also um, that goes out every Saturday. And I was talking about um, in California, they had passed the law for those safe injection sites. Right. Mm -hmm. And then of course our governor vetoed it, shot the whole thing down. Um, and his reasoning was unintended consequences, right? He's like, well, we don't know unintended consequences. The thing that irritates me is we do know the consequences, 10,000 deaths, you Mm -hmm. know, in a year, California. And, um, 
and these are things that I'm really fighting for. It's kind of what I was saying earlier too, that, you know, we have our legislatures that know nothing about addiction that are making decisions on life or death for people. You know, they, they're the ones that get to choose who lives and who dies. Yeah. I, uh, it is, it's sad. Um, I visited a safe injection site in, uh, I believe I was in Calgary or yeah. around Calgary in Canada. Yeah. And, um, I mean, it was my first, my first and only time of visiting one. And, um, you know, and I'm all for it. I mean, I, I wasn't, you know, and I'll just speak for myself, like, you know, having a safe place to use for me, I just, it, I don't think it would have ever really truly prevented my bottom. You know, it probably, if anything, they're, they're good because exactly what you're saying, just, um, prevent, prevent death. And, um, and I mean, you guys have a huge, how's your homelessness like out there? Right now? Yeah. yeah mm -hmm. it's bad. I mean, California is, is, is the epitome of, of, you know, forcing people to be homeless almost, right? Because, mm -hmm. I mean, our taxes are ridiculous. Gas prices are absurd. Um, you know, the, the prices of homes in California are absolutely insane. And, I mean, you've got, you know, homeless that are, you know, substance abuse, mental illness. And then you got a whole group of people that just, that have jobs, but they just can't even afford to buy a, buy a place. Yeah. I always saw it as, you know, the... The idea that, you know, you talk about the fact that life sucks, life's miserable out there, you know, at the end in our use, we don't want to be doing that. Mm -hmm. And, um, and the one thing I can say is that the only way people are ever going to be able to get clean is they got to live, they got to actually be alive, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. And the people that even like nar uh, knock Narcan, you know, um, <clears throat> I, I don't know, maybe six, six times in my life, I think I would actually have to be administrated Narcan, but like, I don't know, I would not be here today um, if it was not for it. And, um, you know, uh, so many times in my life, I'd be Narcan and within 12 hours, I was back to doing the same exact thing. But like I said, it's just like, you got to see the whole picture, you know, and even though like, even though I went through all that destruction and probably, you know, caused harm to a lot of people, like I try to make, you know, correct amends today for the, uh, for the things that I've done, whether it's, you know, towards a certain individual or, or whether it's towards a community, um, you know, and just by being a good person, like we all should be, it's not like I'm think I'm good for being a good person, but just by being a good person and, you know, and maybe going a little bit further uh, with benevolence than the average person, um, that's a way of making amends to, you know, once again, like my community or my borough or whatever you want to say. I mean, we've got millions of people out there that were the, pieces of shit, you know, drug abusers, things like that, that are clean and sober today that are doing good things. Yeah. You know? And that's why I like what you said too. It's like, those are the things that people don't see. Yeah. I have a, a friend of mine. I actually became good friends with a judge in orange County. Um, he's a trial judge. And we used to talk about that a lot because he, he originally was a, um, a felony arraignment judge. And so he would just see, everybody coming in the door mm -hmm. right but he'd never see the end of the story mm -hmm. you know and so and then all they would see would be the people coming back but what about all those people that didn't come back yeah and that always kind of puts that negative mark on on it for people and it is and i mean it is difficult i mean a lot of people that that try to get clean they fail that's just that's a reality um uh none of us have to fail i mean we really don't um but 
you know, I, I look at all, you know, how many times I failed, you know, but um, I just, I knew there was something more to life. I knew that, you know, even though I was, you know, this drug addict and, and my mother and my sister and my father, you know, I, I came from an immediate family of just alcoholics and addicts, you know, um, I just, I knew that there was more to life. And uh, for so many years, I really didn't think that I'd be able to go one day without, without stopping, you know, and then um. Thank God for my sister. And, you know, she has 18 years now, but um, she was like the, the first evidence in my life that, that it was possible. And, um, and then after you start, after I took myself out of that lifestyle and all the people, places and things, and then placed me in a more positive setting, you know, I started to see that it was possible for me too. And, um, but it is, I mean, a lot of people uh, struggle to to give themselves a chance or struggle to give themselves 10 chances like I have. And, um, but, you know, it really is an attainable thing um, to have a beautiful life. And it, it's, you know, in the beginning, I didn't want to go through all the torture and I didn't want to go through all the, uh, you know, just the agony of just, you know, dealing with emotions and, and you know, being jobless, being broke, whatever you want to say, but it just, my life is only going to change if I put one foot in front of the other and stay centered. And, uh, but that's, you know, that's what I had to do. And that's, you know, what I did. And, um, now it's like, it just blows my mind. It blows my mind. The life that I have today. Yeah. Pretty amazing. Isn't it? Mm -hmm. And that's what I always try to get across to people. Life can be great. You know, life can be fantastic. I mean, that's the premise of my show is high wall clean. You know, we don't stop getting high. We just do it differently today. Mm -hmm. and i've uh i've taken some very powerful drugs but uh i have felt feelings clean that uh, i've never experienced using and um i mean true um like just true uh emotions of euphoria uh from you know happiness and, and stuff that i've accomplished stuff that has happened and um i never would have ever felt that if i was numbing myself with drugs and alcohol yeah I mean, think about it with this too, is that we go out there, we use to numb ourselves. We want to not feel pain. We want to, you know, we don't want to feel anger or hurt or every emotion we want to shove down. But think about all the good emotions we're pushing away too. Uh -huh. You're not feeling genuine happiness, joy. That's what they call adaptation level theory. You know, anytime that you do something for an extended period of time, your body adapts to where you will no longer get pleasure from it. And so, you know, eventually you hit that place to where there's no more enjoyment. There's even no, no more pleasure behind it. Yeah. I mean, the drugs start, stopped working a long time ago for myself. But uh, I mean, even the times that I was real high, I think back, like I never even laughed. So whenever, whenever I, you know, first got, you know, clean, I remember and what kept me coming back, even in the early beginning, uh, was just laughing. And that being around my friends to, to my new friends to three in the morning and uh, just making fun of each other and just, um, you know, laughing until my stomach hurt. Like this was something that was so attracting to me um, because I didn't feel it for so long. And uh, I don't know, it was just one of the, the, you know, one of the many blessings, especially in early recovery to, uh, to experience. And that is something that made me want to continue on this. Yeah. Yeah, I wrote a book called um, Pain, Failure, and Misery are the Stepping Stones to Success. And I talk about in that book, the, you know, the first time in my life that I'd felt more freedom than I'd felt in ever, you know, probably in most of my life, I was locked up in a jail. Mm -hmm. 
And, um, and so much of that came and I, and I really, I remember the moment too. I'm, I'm sitting with the guy, we're getting transferred from one location to another. And I had no idea what we were talking about, but this guy and I were talking and I started laughing so hard, tears coming down. I hadn't laughed in like that for far back as I could ever remember. And all of a sudden I felt this freedom. You know, and I realized that freedom is actually something that's an internal thing, not anything external. So that was pretty powerful. Hey, I want to ask you, um, if you were to if you were to give a message out there to people that are suffering, what would you tell them? Um, I mean, honestly, I, I would probably just say and reiterate a lot of the things that I already said. But, um, you know, I really once again, I really was that using addict and alcoholic that, you know, I would watch other people's lives change and I would watch people, you know, put down the drugs and alcohol, but I just never thought that it was possible for me. And I would, you know, look at people's lives and I would, you know, compare myself, you know, if I had your job and your girlfriend and your life and your money and your vehicle, I would be able to stay clean too. And, um, you know, but <clears throat> like I said, I just, I kept trying you know, as long as I'm breathing, I am truly capable of changing my life. I am huge on that saying because it is very true. If I would have relapsed, you know, one of the 25 relapses that I had, if I would have just said, okay, that's done, I can't do this, you know, I would still be using or I'd be dead or, or in prison, in prison if I was lucky, but more than likely I would be dead. Um, but I just kept trying um, it really until something clicked inside of me and, um, and it started to make sense. And, um, but I couldn't get do that or get that far, you know, without abstinence. And, um, and I normally would seek professional help, whether it was a treatment center or something along them lines. Um, and from there, you know, I would follow through with just, I would really get started on my recovery and, uh, it is, it's difficult. I know what it's like to quote unquote, be at the end of your road and feel like you can't, like there's nowhere to turn, but, there really is, um, you know, whether you talk to someone you trust, but if I'm physically dependent on something, I would say the first thing that I would do is get to some type of, uh, you know, professional medical, uh, place that is going to help me detox. Yeah. Are you heavily involved in like the 12 step program? And yes, I am. Yeah. You NA or you do? I do do NA. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. and it's just uh it's just real it's real prevalent and strong around my area there's a lot of parts of the country where it's not and a lot of people do the other other fellowship but uh it's just what i was introduced to and um it, it you know when people say what has saved my life you know that that is what it is um you know even at times where i'm not quote unquote physically very active in my program everything that i learned is embedded in my veins and i truly mean that from you know whether it's the step work that i previous done or the spiritual principles that i practice on a daily basis that is the stuff that that keeps me going you know whether when i hit a problem today like my solution you know is is based is, is usually spiritual you know and it's like i just know that as long as i like i remain honest and you know and i remain willing and um i don't know it's just I used to get, I'm at to a point in my life now where, you know, there really isn't anything that I can't handle clean. And I just, um, and it is all because of, you know, once again, all the work that I put in, but just 
I have so much evidence in my life because I have so many people that I'm connected with that I see their struggles and I see their adversities and I see their turmoil, you know, and they always get through it. And then I have, I look back at everything that I've been through, you know, you know, while in recovery and um, so many times like, there's no way I'm going to be able to get through this. There's no way I'm going to be able to get through this clean. I can't take these feelings. I can't do it. But I would just, I would always make it to the other side, you know, and I would always feel better. And then whenever I make it to the other side, you know, I'd always encounter a blessing too. And my life, like I said, my life would always turn. And that's why that's what I said earlier. Just don't put a lot of emphasis on how I feel now because my life could be going like this. And then just all of a sudden it can go like that. And um, it is, it's, it's just crazy. It's crazy to know that um, simply by putting the drugs down and putting in a little bit of work that my life is the way it is today. Yeah. And you're a good father, right? I am. I, I can say that with straight conviction, you know, um, never met my father when I was one, my mother, uh, grabbed me and my sister and left him. You know, she came home. He was not off with a needle in his arm. To this day, I've never spoke to him. And uh, it's always been my biggest fear was to be a father. Uh, I mean, my biggest fear in life. And uh, it turned out to be the biggest blessing. And um, everything I do today is for my daughter. And, um, and I don't want to say it was like a generational curse or whatever, but like it just, I am the total opposite in him of in every way, single shape and form. And um, it is, it's a good feeling. You know, I've managed to do things for my daughter that I, I never thought would be possible, you know, and I went into straight selflessness mode whenever she was born. The things that matter before she was born don't matter now, as far as like, I used to think, I don't know, shoes were important or, or whatever. And just today it's just completely different. It's like, no, does she have money for dance class or, or no, just you have to be present for that. You know, you have to teach her this. You have to lead by example. You have to be a good role model. You have to teach her how to pray. You have to teach her how to be honest. You know, like, I don't know. It's a chore. It's like, it's like getting a blank, can like a blank canvas and like, you're just constantly painting and maybe painting over something, but I don't have all the answers, but I really do try to be the best parent that I can be. Yeah. It's priorities, right? Mm -hmm. You do any touring? I do. I mean, not really. So I went on tour about three years ago with some of my friends, but now I just kind of do random shows here and there. I just did one in Connecticut uh, two weeks ago, and I'm actually going to a place called Dolphin, Alabama uh, this Saturday. I'll be there for like 24 hours and uh, spending a lot of time in the air airport that weekend. But um, yeah, that's my next show. Okay. Yeah. If you ever come to uh, Southern California, let me know. I'll go to my my first rap concert ever. Okay, <laughs> I, abs I absolutely will. <laughs> I think that'd be fun, man. Well, hey, man, I really appreciate you doing this. You know, I um, I know we we're gonna try to do it last night. I I mean, I normally stay up till two, but yesterday was just uh was just a long day, and um, I was beat. I was actually uh. I literally took her everywhere from, uh, you know, school to dance and I did stuff at work and then I came home and painted my ceiling. That's what I actually just did right before I, I came on here is I put the second coat on my uh, kitchen ceiling. Um, so yeah, I was just beat. But, um, yeah, again, again, I want to thank you. I appreciate you doing this. And, um, I want to thank everybody for tuning in to another episode of high wall cleaning. As I always like to say, let's keep getting high, but let's do it clean. I'll see you soon. So listen to this song. And here is Drug Addiction by Kalichi. Kalichi. You see, everybody got a story to tell. 
Well, here's mine. My pain's deep, I've been through hell. I managed to survive, so I got a story to tell. Listen, I stand victorious, make the sign of the cross. Look, I'm here to be the voice for every friend I've ever lost. Let me pray as I put together my hands. I've never been ashamed to tell you the person I am. When it comes to doing drugs, I've never been a rookie, but hold up. Let me tell you about the places that they took me. I haven't showered, it's been possibly a week And I'm so deep in a psychosis, impossible to speak That coke is in my arm, now it's impossible to sleep My throat's numb, closed shut, so it's impossible to eat Losing weight's a part of my daily routine I always use against my will, just praying I was clean So nod your head if you understand what I mean When I was growing up, I never thought that I would be a fiend, ever My life's tumultuous, it's never getting better Another abscess from my arm is getting severed My exquisite vision, depiction of dereliction, livid Living conditions, malicious on a mission All these green tree cops, look, they all know me by my first name Paramedics had to revive me, this ain't a game I wore the same clothes for like the last ten days And look, I wanna do better, but I don't know a different way different Completely way. all alone, I'm sitting in this room I empty out the bags, brown liquid in the spoon I have to do a lot, can no longer do a little The water's been added, I place the cotton in the middle I'm sucking every drop up into this plastic device As I am tying off, I'm trying to find a decent vein of strike I shove it ever so gently up underneath my skin as I'm pulling back the plunger to this blood in the syringe. I push it in and try to drift away to heaven. But criminals like me, that's never the place that we're headed. The guilt, shame, remorse, and regret I never address. And I'm a mess from all this pain and this anguish. I'm filled with stress, overdoses. I'm emotionally broken. This ain't a joke. I'm smoking on a new port. I never have any hope. This is me. I'm feeling like I don't deserve more. I feel disgusted as I'm pushing on this burnt chore. Someone stole the vinegar in the midst of a blackout. Another shooting gun. Gallery, another crack house. crack house. On the porch, welcome to hell is on the floor, man. I'm glancing at my arms and all I ever see is sore tracks. I'm feeling filthy, dirty needles with the orange caps peeking out the window. Someone whispers, lock the door latch. We're blasting off, departing from this mothership. I look around as others search the carpet for another hit. Another hit. Crest whitening strips and Mach 3s. I'm on a suicidal mission till these cops try to stop me. We boosted every day selling steaks for half price. Any dream I ever had was shattered by glass pipes. Glass rows. Devil got me in his lasso Enter the gates of hell and I didn't even have a passcode I'm hard-headed, I will never learn my lesson You know the drill, commit a crime and get arrested The misery never ends, I spend another week in jail I don't have friends, family never paid my bill So I would withdraw and kick on that concrete floor I feel I've had enough, but my body is screaming more The food is horrible, but I haven't eaten in days No reason to call home, cause I got nothing left to say I'm tired of this jail, I don't ever wanna see prison Look, I'm tired and exhausted from this life that I am living. I would get a couple days clean and say that I was done. But every time I got released, I was back on the run. It's back to thieving, lying, robbing and ripping and running. These problems, I don't solve them. I'm crippled and sick to my stomach. I hang with prostitutes and these deadly degenerates. I'm homeless for the moment, but that's really quite irrelevant. The only thing that matters in life is my next high. I gotta be willing to change and give it my best try. I'm a servant and this heroine's my king. I'm feeling like a slave as I dangle from these puppet strings. I'm just a marionette. I'm Staring at death as I am carrying regrets that are just tearing through my flesh. We're dealing with a topic we're so careless to neglect. We're dealing with a dilemma leaving every parent stressed. I'm so sick and tired though of being sick and tired. But then it finally happened, motivated by desire. I hit this point, I wanted to change. Enough is enough. My efforts been exhausted and I'm tired of being stuck. My faith is never blind and my future I barely see. But overnight was open-minded. I had this moment of clarity. So it begins and it's essential, I believe. Cause if it worked for you, then it just has to. 
work for me. Through all this pain, there's gotta be a positive message. I talked about the past, now let's talk about the present. I'm no longer living that way for me, it's a blessing. But with one bad decision, I am back in that obsession. And no three was diagnosed with hepatitis C. I utilize the bad, it's always been the fuel for driving me. And then you ask me, why do I give us my all? I'm not trying to see rest in peace on my Facebook wall. I got clean in 05 and started rapping. I started touching lies, I never thought that this would happen. This shit today, trust me, it isn't heroin. It's killing everybody in the comments are disparaging. No one cares, I guess a fuck that I'm clean for them. Another deadly overdose is just something to see. Look, I pay attention to every post that I read as you were sitting there judging in front of your iPhone screen. Talking about these dying addicts and how they are worthless. And if they put a needle in their arm, then they deserve it. But that's someone's mother, someone's uncle, someone's daughter. And that's someone's aunt, someone's son, and someone's father. As I rap, the shit is giving me chills. And I'm speaking off experience, that's how I know it's real. These ignorant motherfuckers will say it's not a disease. And look, I really don't care. You can believe what you believe. I don't care to argue, I don't gotta give you proof. Listen, I was not, you don't gotta defend the truth. Incurable, progressive, and fatal, unless arrested. I'm expressing aggression with every sentiment confession. Once a junkie, always a junkie, you're boring me. The last time I checked, there's one ultimate authority. I'm sick of these remarks and opinions from all these critics. Cause if you never lived it, then trust me, you'll never get it. Be quiet, you're not allowed to speak about it. If you've never lived it, then you're not allowed to speak about it. How often you forget the only time that you should ever open your mouth is to eat a dick. Everybody is dying, it makes me sick. This isn't an epidemic, this is more like an apocalypse. So when I struggle, it's only right that I fight. And my experience recites on how that diamond saved my life. Look, you don't got a clue what I've been through. When I was at my worst, you couldn't walk a mile in my shoes. I survived a lot, so it's only right that I smile. When I'm aware of my surroundings, I'm no longer in denial. I'm blown away by every message that I get. It gives me motivation, it's the reason. And I never quit. never quit We gotta do this together We must trust, must trust. There's no you There's no me There's just us just I'm doing us. this with courage I'm doing this with pride I'm doing this for every single friend That's ever died I dedicate this song To anyone that's lost a loved one So live your life Cause tomorrow may never come Be grateful for your past Embrace it Don't get embarrassed Every day there is more children Growing up without their parents, without their parents. I felt pain Look I'm not afraid to, afraid to cry My life changed Once I was willing to try I've been given many chances Now it's truly do or die. I'm doing what it takes so my daughter will never see me high. I'm doing what it takes so my daughter will never see me high. I'm doing what it takes so my daughter will never see me high. I'm doing what it takes so my daughter will never see me high. I'm doing what it takes so my daughter will never see me high.